You're listening to the Technically Confident Podcast with me, your host, Charlotte Fuller. This is the podcast for the ambitious woman in tech who wants more and is willing to do what it takes to make it happen. I'm going to give you all of the tips, methods, and strategies you need to remove self-doubt, get over your fears, and build the confidence you need to live the life of your dreams and reach your highest potential. So strap in, enjoy the ride, and let's go get you everything that you deserve. lovelies and welcome back to the Technically Confident podcast. So today I'm joined by Julie Williams who is a business consultant and she specializes in working with organizations around turnaround strategies, growth strategies, exit strategies and has an absolute ton of experience in these these specific areas. And the reason that I want to talk to Julie today is because I think you'll find a lot of value in what she has to say, specifically as women in tech who are thinking about either starting their own company or product, potentially when we talk about building different SaaS type solutions and technology solutions, and some of the options that might be available to you and things you need to think about when it comes to uh, funding and your end goal for these products and companies as well. Some of the things that we often don't think about when we're starting a business. Um, And also as well, if you already have a technology product or or business and you're looking for some ideas when it comes to growth and um, accelerating this business as well and some of the things that you want to think about. So Julie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to be having this conversation with you. Before we start, do you want to? Would you like to give us a quick overview of who you are and um, and what you what you do? Yeah, of course. Morning, Charlotte. Okay, so my name's Julie Williams, and I'm a business consultant based in Cardiff in South Wales. Um, I've been an experienced financial controller for over thirty five years now, and I predominantly work with businesses where they are in the tradition of drift. They they get a little bit stuck. Very often, sometimes they're looking for growth strategies and more, I think probably more since the COVID period, they're looking for exit strategies. Mm-hmm. So we look at businesses very often to understand where they are, how they, how you can help them from um, through, through a funding process and, and actually understanding, um, understanding working capital, understanding financials and also understanding processes. So that's what I do. That's what I do as a day job every day. And it's a little, a little bit about making a difference with our business customer. Mm, amazing. And just before we started chatting on this recording, we were talking about the fact that you often work with uh, banks and building societies and come across some of the things that they're doing to support women in tech. So specifically around maybe the, the funding side of things or the things that are available, what are you seeing right now? So at the moment, the governments have a huge backing in relation to funds out there, particularly for women in tech. I'm seeing it particularly with um, sort of government organizations as well. They're really pushing um, technology businesses um, with, with, you know, with women. They want people to connect. They want to build um, networking with women to understand um, all the different types of tech that we can do. You know, there's a huge variety of different things. And the banks are really keen to sort of everything evolves very quickly in, in, in your world. So they're very keen to sort of jump on board with this and try and help through a, a funding process and finance process to, to, to make things easier for businesses because irrelevant whether it's a tech business or a product or service business, you still need some working capital. 
Mm, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You need it to, to get going with it and to keep it going. And so when it comes to these types of funds uh, that, that could be available for people, how do you go about accessing that type of thing? Right. So the, the first thing that we need to do is look at obviously where, where your areas are, where the areas that you live. So the main thing is that normally your councils, your local authorities will have some sort of grants. You just check out their website, look at what, what grants and things are available. I definitely would go on to, um, uh, you know, like I would definitely go on to your supportive government groups that they have to find out what type of things that they have because what happens with the network groups even things like a meet the buyer event very often there will be local government and local county um uh, sponsors there will ex- explain to you what type of funding that you need what tends to be the problem very often is people will find um and and this works in all businesses what where they find that there's a grant available and then they they don't know where to start. They don't know where to start in relation to because really, what you need to do if there are grants available for funding and and finance, if you know loans and everything for funding, you still need to prepare some sort of financials. You'll still need irrelevant to what business, but particularly in tech, they need to understand you know what your what the solution that you're putting together what it fulfills so for instance what the problem is and how what you're developing is going to fulfill that so it'll all and actually the industry they'll look at the industry are there loads of people doing what you do already mm. so when you're looking for fun, when you are you find it in relation to um the, the local councils and the counties and the, all the government bodies they're the first places that we that, that you would go so i would definitely recommend people go to sort of networking events and meet the buyer events to understand um that's where they are at the first outset and people like me consultants like me will be able to find that out for you mm, yeah absolutely yeah got it so people need to be going to networking events buying events things like that looking at where the funding is available for them starting particularly within their own um local regions and, and maybe going out from there um that makes sense and so when people are looking for funding in particular what are some of the key challenges um that they often have is that they are not potentially clear on business case around some of these solutions and things like that what what do you often see so the big the biggest thing then what happens is i do lots of these things where people have funding they want funding they can see there's an opportunity for funding but there will be certain certain criteria that they have to follow mm. so things like they'll have to be able to put a business plan together they'll have to be, look at a swot analysis they'll have to be able to understand if they'll have to know their financials yeah. so very people lots of people sometimes in tech have no idea in relation to their accounting or mm-hmm. where they are with financials. And you'll need all that information to be able to put an application in. So your application is really responding. It's not just about, um, it's not just about, oh my God, I have this product and this is brilliant and this will serve this purpose and there'll be lots of demand for it. It'll be from the point of, right, okay, we understand what it's going to do. However, you know, is it cost effective? How are you going to, you know, if you do have finance or loan, are you going to be able to pay that back? Is there Mm. an affordability within your business? All those, they they will look at everything from business plans to understanding the nature of the business. But I think people underestimate the importance of the financials in that. Where are you now with your business? And then actually what working capital you require. So how much money do you need to to develop this, to Mm. develop the, the tech that you're looking at? And also, how can you afford to pay that back? 
the affordability is a big thing. So that is exactly the type of thing that I help people with to try and understand, right, okay, what kind of case can we put together to help people get this funding into their business? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a super, they're really great points because exactly what you said around, so when people come to me, for example, to build technology type solutions, generally they are technology minded um, in the sense that, the, you know, we know we want to build something effective, but what I often also help people do is make sure that we have got those points covered off from a a business case perspective. So um, not specifically around the funding element side of it, but making sure people are aware of how are you going to create something here that is profitable and that makes money and also makes sense in the market. So um, having those things in place and, and knowing about those things and being prepared about them and the growth strategy around that and how you're going to take that to market and manage it moving forward is super important to think about before you even start to build anything. Um, and often I see that that is what trips people up further down the line is when they have not thought about these things up front necessarily. So yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. And then also, Julie, what I wanted to also talk to you a little bit about was some of the exit strategies around it. So when... Um, women uh, founders are coming to me and we're talking about building um, technology products or technology businesses potentially. What I often ask them is, is what is their end goal with this? What do they want to do with it? Because often we get super, super excited about creating something new in the marketplace that's going to be, you know, oh so great. And often it is. But there is a point about when we need to think about, well, what are we ultimately trying to drive here? So what do you say to that and what do you generally help people with around the exit side of things so around the exit side of things very often you'll find there's lots of different places lots of different reasons why people want to exit and very often technology companies are sort of overshadowed by larger technology companies Mm. so what can happen is whatever something you've developed you can sell that to another business you know, you can sell it. The thing is with technology is that it, it evolves very quickly. So obviously, as you know, you, you know, whatever you develop now, it could be outdated quite soon. So you mm-hmm. need to be, so it's really important you have your sort of your pipeline of where you want to go with something. And actually, if you are looking for an exit or you have a product that you're looking to sell, that you're actually marketed it at the right time and to the right people. Um, the biggest place to go for these things, there are agents and stuff out there. So I do quite a lot of exit strategies with different businesses. And there are there are agents out there that specialize in particular particular fields. So there'll be an agent that, you know, wants to do, a, 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 you know, let's assume a care home as such. There'll be people who are looking for that kind of thing. But the main areas are people like um, banks. So you're, if you look into, so banks are really good because they'll have small customers, but they'll also have much larger customers. So the idea for a person to understand their exit strategy is when you look into exit your business, you, you need, you're going to have a value on it. And to you, the value will be very different possibly to mm. what your accounts say and maybe what your your buyer is looking. There's always a there's always a disparity between them. And what we try and do is sort of work together then to make sure um, make sure it's worth and everything is going to be exactly as um, it's it's about negotiation. So the idea for somebody who's looking for an exit strategy, I always say we look at about an eighteen month period. 
we look at it so that all the customers I work with in the extra strategy field, mm-hmm. we look at about an 18 month period. So that gives us time to get the maybe to get the lawsuit accounts filed or, or generally to be able to get your house in order. We okay. love to get in your house in order, your, your your people, your structures and stuff in place. So it, it's a real, it's, it's a real positive um, company that you're putting to the market. So you need to be able to, so if anyone is looking there, they need to be looking at a possibly an 18 month period where we look at, right, okay, what do we think we need to do to get this business? And ideally as well is look at, look at your larger competitors. So if you've got a larger competitors, they, they're going to be your ideal purchasers. So yeah. if you're looking at your ideal, if you, so for me, I look at a lot. So I look at my ideal, uh, my larger competitors and I think, right, okay, what would they want from my business if they were to buy it? Would they want recurring revenues? Would they, would, would there be certain things, disciplines within my business that they would be interested, but they wouldn't be interested in that element. So you try and work your business. The, that 18-month period isn't just about filing your accounts, yeah. which is what people think. It's not just about getting your accounts in order. It's about getting your whole house in order. So you've got your house in order to understand. You go into the right people mm-hmm. to look at it, you look at your large competitors because they're going to be the ideal people who are going to want to purchase your business. Yeah, perfect. I'd love to dive into that a little bit more about getting your house in order. So just to, to summarize for, for those of you that are listening, so what we're talking about here is essentially being putting yourself in a position to be acquired by a larger company. So for example, what we need to think about is if we are building a technology product. So I work primarily with women, um, as you know, building um, SaaS type solutions. So if we're building a SaaS product, SaaS product is a recurring revenue type solution. So I want you to think about if you're listening to this, put yourself in this position where you are developing this solution. You know this product is is brilliant. It has a, a, a place in the marketplace and you are really, really excited to take it to market. Um, we would work together to get all of that stuff up and running and all of the design and development going. And we're going to think about how you initially sell that solution and how you get your first users on there and all of that good stuff. When you go through that process, what you're also going to have to think about as well is who is going to help you manage this solution um, what your team looks like around that, your sales, your marketing, and all of that good stuff. Now, what Julie and I are talking about is what you also want to be thinking about is what is your end goal with this product and solution? So essentially, what when moving forward, how are you going to ultimately make money out of this solution? Will you continue to manage it yourself and have a a product or company or solution where you are the one receiving that recurring revenue? Or do you want someone to buy that solution from you for a set price that is, you know, that we're talking about right now that you would have to negotiate? And if you don't want to keep managing it yourself and you want someone, you want to essentially sell it to someone else, what then needs to be done to get you to that point? So, Julie, based on that then, in terms of the things that people have to think about in terms of getting their house in order, what are some of those different elements that we might have to think about? Okay. So if you think about, um, it's, it's very much about, this isn't your, this isn't your ideal client. This is your ideal customer. So this, this, you're not, sorry, not your ideal customer. It's the ideal person you're, who you think that would, your business would fit mm-hmm. into. Like an so ideal buyer. 
absolutely. It's, it's, you're looking at the outset of, right, what is their business look like? How could my business fit in with their business? Mm-hmm. So the things are, there are lots of different ways. Very often people want to just sell. They want to sell 100% of their business. That's it. You know, I'm quite happy. I want to sell 100% of my business. And then I don't want any involvement after, you know. So, and very often, sometimes you have tie-ins. So the idea is to look at your whole of your processes. So you're looking at your structure. You're looking at um, your operations. How do they run now in relation to when I say about recurring revenues? What type of disciplines do you have within your business? And when I say disciplines, I mean, what type of sales streams? So mm-hmm. when you look at what type of sales streams you have in your business, so if your business is built of different kinds of revenues you need to understand which ones are profitable you need to have a bit of a a bit of an overhaul of your business beforehand to make sure you're only looking at those profitable revenues because really if you've got revenues which are you know are not making a lot of money they might not be interested in them and when they take that out of their because people will come and do their due diligence when they Mm -hmm. take that out of their business it might not be what they want. So it's about finding um, the right um, what revenues. Perhaps your costs are too high. Sometimes there are costs that you can take out of the business that um, that because uh, when you when you value a business, you take you take all the things. If you if you're not going to be involved, you take all the directors' costs and stuff out anyway to put a valuation on the business. But the idea is to make sure. Um, the business is, it doesn't have too much leverage. There's not too many loans and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're not going to, they're not going to be having a headache. They're going to be looking ideally, the costs of stuff that they can deal with themselves. Very often, they're going to be looking at everything towards your gross profit. Yeah. So really, you, you know, when, a, when, when an acquirer comes in and it doesn't necessarily be an acquirer, it could be a management buyout. So the idea here, there's lots of different ways, you know, these days, these days, what's very popular at the moment and what I've been discussing a lot is something called an EOT. So with an employee trust, the difference is, is that people come away from their business by by gifting their, whether they literally sell their business back to the business. So but you have to have a man- management structure. Yeah. Julie, would you mind telling us about the, the different, um, d- those different ways, maybe digging into those a little bit more and just giving us an overview yeah, of, of that? Yeah, of course. So obviously you could have a, so looking at a tech business, you could have a bigger tech business that would come and acquire your business. You have an option where they acquire, they don't want your services. They're just buying, they're just buying the balance sheet. They're just buying the business. They're buying the disciplines and they, and they look at taking in everything that you do. They bring in that business without you as a business owner. However, they might decide to tie you in as a business owner for a little while to obviously, you know, train their staff and do whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, the integration period. Then you've got the option of a management buyout. So if you've got a business where you've got staff within your business and you literally can work that business without you being there, then actually you could make a management buyout. These are very popular when you've got that business structure where you could actually step away from the business and the business could run without you being there. And what happens then is the funding and everything and is done by the managers within the business. So they raise funding and the business raise funding to buy you out. So that's okay. what happens. Mm-hmm. But again, it's very, it is really important that that's going to be able to run without you. Right. And it, and it's exact, 
And it's exactly the same as an EOT. So what an employee trust is that these have become quite popular because it allows you to sell your business. But it's a bit like a management buyout. It allows you to gift all your shares of your business. Uh, if you're a limited company, mm-hmm. gift your shares of your business. You have to lose control in interest. It has to be over 51% to your employees. And what happens to you then, it means you can take your money out tax-free. Okay. So it's a brilliant, so you can take your money out tax-free, you gift your shares to your employee, all your employees. However, it's very much about the structure. They have to have um, HMRC clearance in relation to there's no tax, there's no tax comebacks on you. Because what you're doing is give it, you know, you're, it's a bit like a legacy. If you don't have a legacy within your business and the fact your your family members or your children are not coming through your business, mm-hmm. it's a bit, it's a, it's a very similar to a legacy. You're giving it to your employees instead. You are taking, it's very transparent with an EOT in the fact you're, they set up a trust where, the business is still run, but without you, but the business owner can walk away from that with, um, like I said, tax-free lump sum. And then they, it's just run, but it has to have the right people in place. Okay. So there's very often there's managers themselves. Mm-hmm. And funders, one thing, to, the one thing to note is with funders, when funders come to the market and they're looking to put some finance in to sell these businesses, because they can be quite large values, you know, when they look, they will look at the structure and sometimes they will put people like me and non-exec directors in to have control of the business because they want to understand everything has to be timely. You can't wait for your accountant to do your accounts at the end of the Mm -hmm. year. They want information monthly and and everything to make, because obviously they're, they're investing by financing you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, very, very interesting. It's good to know what different options are available for people. I'm sure we could talk about that for for hours. I'm sure there's lots and lots to to know about it. Um, So, okay, so let's say, for example, um, we are looking to get acquired by a business. It's something that, you know, we've got a company, it's running profitably. Um, What are some of the things that we need to think about over that 18-month runway? to get the house in order. Right. Right. So the idea is firstly, you need to be, the first place I would start is be looking at your financials. You're looking at your last financials and then you look at, you you really do a real due diligence on your own business. Mm -hmm. So the idea is, as I said, your structure is about what different revenues that you're doing within your business, what different disciplines that you have, um, what are the different margins on those disciplines. If you have recurring revenue, um, and then operationally, what you can look at operationally, things like um, if there's gaps. So, for instance, you know there's gaps within your business. There's sometimes you could fill those gaps with like workforce or training. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that very often, particularly um, tech businesses, they, they might have just a small amount of people. But actually, yeah. where can they put value on to that business? For So for me, if I'm looking to sell a business, we look at obviously where the margins and stuff are originally and where we are. And obviously we look at a valuation first, then we would look at a, where the margins are. And then we would look, right, well, how can we add value to this business to make it, um, to make it in a great place that somebody's going to be interested in it? Because sometimes there are things within your business where people will buy you just for that one particular discipline, right? right? So the idea is for you to look at, 
you do a proper overhaul of your business now. And if your business is in the right place, maybe it doesn't need to have an 18-month review. But very often, the business will need to think, right, how can we make this business, let's add value. How can we put added value on this business now? So then when we sell it, everything runs smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. So all of the things that you should you should even be thinking about from the very early days on this something that should just be potentially in the back of your mind the whole time of being if you are thinking about building something to sell a a few of the things pulled out from this conversation is always to be thinking about you know who is your ideal buyer and what are they looking for ultimately and then working back from there to be saying well is our house in order have we got the things in place that they would want and the structure and how are we operating financially from a place that is attractive to them as well yeah yeah 100% because at the end of the day if you think about it just as a basic situation right if you have a customer base sometimes you're you're sometimes there'll be lots of different reasons why your acquirer will come in and want to buy your business so I'm dealing with one at the moment and they have 17 different like units that they serve and literally, they don't care about the costs or the ballot or the balance sheet or anything like that. All they want is to pick up these 17 different facilities. So what they're looking to do is look at the different facilities that they pick, and that is what they want. So an acquire, if you're looking at it from, I definitely think at an outset, if you have an initial plan of creating something and you want to sell it, you need to be thinking in mind of, right, who would I like to sell it to? Who is this going to serve a problem mm. for? That's the that's the initial thing because then you can start building that business um, to to sort of um, you can start building that business right to that person so it's yeah. going to be attractive for them. As I said, very often they only want one. It could be just one particular discipline that they want of your business. You might have all these different things, but they're only interested in in one particular element that you do. But obviously, you've got to get that in order that. That this is what every you know they have to pick everything else up with it yeah amazing absolutely Julie thank you so much this has been so so valuable and I, I I know that a lot of people listening to this that have their own companies that have and are thinking also even at the very early stages of I want to create something but how do I go about doing that and what is sort of my end goal with it is going to be super super it's going to be so useful this conversation and and some of the points that we've we've brought out from this. So thank you so much for joining us. Where can people go to find out more about you and to work with you around um, different funding and options for exit strategy and all of that good stuff? Okay, so my my um, we're just rebranding on our business now. So my email address is mm-hmm. Julie at Oracle Wales. That's my email address, best place to contact me on. And I'm happy to have any conversation with anyone in relation to businesses and also point you in the right direction where you can look at prospective buyers. Because I said, there's companies out there that this is what they do. They have buyers, whether it be equity investors or whether it be venture capitalists. There's lots of people out there who have money and they're interested in, in investing and buying new businesses all the time. And very much they like to diversify. So they diversify in all different areas. So yeah, you know, if you if you need to contact me, if anybody needs to contact me and just ask some questions, I'm very happy to help. 
Very cool. So I'll, we'll put uh, Julie's email address in the show notes for you if you want to go there. And I know that you're also on LinkedIn as well. So if you want to go and connect with Julie yeah. on there, um, you can go ahead and do that as well. But thank you so much, Julie, for your time today. Um, it's been such an enlightening conversation. I actually can't wait to... Um, I'll probably ping you with lots more questions on this, if I'm honest. You're more than welcome. <laughs> Anytime. No problem. Anytime. You're more than welcome. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Technically Confident Podcast with me, your host, Charlotte Fuller. If you'd like to get your hands on my incredible and absolutely free 100 resources to empower women in tech guide, which by the way, is packed to the brim with all of the top networks, events, podcasts and books, oh, and influencers you need to follow right now, then all you need to do is go to charlottefuller.com and click the link at the top of the page. Or you can just use the link in the show notes. Super, super simple. I look forward to seeing you next time. All my love and confidence, Charlotte.